The following message is from Grace on the Ashley Baptist Church, located in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information about Grace on the Ashley, visit graceontheashley.org. All right, so 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 was our verse for meditation on for, for this study leading into the work of Christ. So if I get a little emotional during it, uh, I'll just apologize ahead of time. Because uh, something about the crucifixion always always wipes me out. So I'll try not to. So if I if I go silent for a little bit, I'm just, I've, I've kind of already processed it. So I think uh, the, the emotional aspect of it won't get me like it sometimes does. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if anyone's had, had that experience before. But sometimes, sometimes it'll get me just when you kind of just really start considering the weight of what he did for us on the cross. All right, real quick, as I like to do, open up floor for any prayer requests that anyone might have that they would like to share so we can pray together. Mm. All right. Sigwell family? All right. There's been a loss in the... There's been a loss there? All right. Fair. All right. So everyone else is doing pretty good. Life is... Life is going as as expected. <laughs> yes, it's going to give way to some nice weather this weekend. It's cold fronts move through. So, uh, all right. Uh, my dad's surgery on Monday was successful. He had two artificial valves placed in the upper chambers of his heart. So, thankfully, he's recovering. He's doing well. So, it was yes. Yes, they they said it took about. Eight hours? Six six hours? No, not yet. Not yet, but I did talk to my dad yesterday, and it was, he was sounding good, but he just couldn't talk for a long period of time because it was just, it was just, it was, it was exhausting for him because he's still recovering, but, but it was good, good to hear him. No, they uh, use just mechanical, mechanical valves, so those, they'll, they'll outlast him. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, that was the discussion when they were going to replace his heart was using a using an entire new heart from a bovine. Good. So, from what he described to me, he said the valve was damaged in his young age due to a high fever, and it's right. So, I I don't recall him calling it that, but it, that could very well be what it was. Mm, yes. Right. Yeah. He. Yeah. He had a weak valve, so it just didn't allow blood to just push through his system uh, with you know with consistency like we we're used to, but you know getting blood all the way down to the to our toes and back up without issue. So. I'm, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> do that. I mean, you could probably get yourself a print off a piece of paper. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if the price is right. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> we're off to a good start. I like where this is going. All right. Uh, so floor's still open for any more prayer requests. We got the Sigwell family. Uh, praise for my father. to praise but we'll also pray for her health and safety during that time because of the is, does that mean they're going to have to do a c-section or is it going to be a natural okay all right yeah i, I hope so too because i know i know sometimes uh inducement can all right can go to two of which ways but we'll definitely pray for uh, adrian correct adrian got it so 
Sigwell family, Adrian. Got it. All right. Uh, I didn't see Teresa here. I wanted to follow up with her on. She mentioned someone a couple weeks ago that had fallen, so I just wanted to follow up. But um, okay, I'll catch her next time. But anyway, okay. Anything else? Anything else? All right. Uh, I will lead us in prayer, and then we will dig into our lesson on the work of Christ. Join me in prayer. Gracious Lord, thank you again for this wonderful time that we can meet together as a, as a church body. We're thankful for those here tonight. We just pray for those who weren't able to join us tonight. We just pray for them, Father. We pray for their safety. pray for uh, whatever it is that they are doing. We're just thankful for them. Uh, we just look forward to fellowshipping with them on Sunday. We just want to lift, lift up the Sigwell family as they are going through the loss of a loved one. Father, we just pray for peace, comfort, and just uh, the peace of your spirit to be upon them uh, during this time, Lord. Thank you for the grieving period. We just pray for we pray for them as they work through this, and we just uh, we just thank you for them as well. I always uh, want to give praise. Thank you for the successful surgery on my dad's heart, and that he's recovering well. And we just pray, Father, uh, if uh, circumstances go well, that we can soon reunite reunite with him. And then we just pray for Adrian, who is going to into face inducement tonight we just give you praise and thankful for the new birth the new life that will soon be brought into this world father but we just pray for her as well just for the health of the mother and for the safety of the delivery and the child as well uh, we just praise you for this opportunity and we're just thankful for the doctors and the family we just lift them up to you as this as this time approaches for them uh, we just pray for this lesson father thank you for the work of christ on the cross the shedding of blood for our sin and the propitiation uh, which was imputed to us, the righteousness was imputed to us, the washing of blood, cleansing us of our sins, making us white as snow. We're just thankful for that, Father, and we just look forward to this lesson. We commit this. We commit all these things to you in your Son's name. Amen. All right, let's dive in. So, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4 was our memory verse or meditation verse. Uh, if, if you took the time to memorize it, awesome. Keep keep plugging away at those memory verses or just meditating on them uh, definitely good and edifying for the soul i'll go ahead and read it for us quickly first corinthians 15 3 through 4 and this is talking about the resurrection essential to the gospel it says for i passed on to you the most important that i also received that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures so I'm sure you all have heard the, the five solas at some point uh, or, or another. So this is where that uh, this, the statement sola scriptura comes from. Is you know talks about by scripture alone, and this is I think this really points closely to that to that uh, doctrinal claim about how all scripture is breathed out by God. And this is we see that Christ died according to the scripture. He was buried and raised on the third day according to scripture. So we want to make sure that we're checking our knowledge with scripture. Uh, especially, especially when it comes to the work of Christ, since so many false religions like to cast doubt, cast uh, falsehood on 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 the on the death and resurrection of Christ. So this is going to be a fun lesson for us to get into. A few objectives we're going to be after tonight is to explain man's need for a savior, the sh to show the cost of Christ's work, to show the provision of Christ's work, to present the resurrected Christ, and to offer a call. To repentance and just a reminder to us to refresh our minds on on the importance of why we call those who are living in darkness to light and what that is and why that is and it's it's through the work of christ and having a good understanding uh, helps us present the gospel in its in its uh, totality and then and this is, so as so as so our plan is going to we're to discuss sin and the reality of man's depravity and sometimes that gets glossed over. Sometimes some folks just like to skip that whole part. Or I should say some, some teachers, some preachers, they just kind of, you know, we'll, we'll leave that over here. And we'll, it's icky, sticky, gooey, nasty. We don't want to talk about that. So they'll leave it off to the side. But yeah, they'll, they'll emphasize the need and for the predetermined plan of Christ's substitutionary death. But they'll they kind of leave the other part out. And then, they'll discuss, and then we're also going to discuss the crucifixion and the judgment of God. And then discuss the resurrection and the provision Christ's work on the cross. So that's our target for tonight. That's a lot to ingest in a short amount of time. And we're gonna we're gonna tackle some weighty subjects. So I encourage you to dig in deeper if you find an area that, that we that we hit on, but you're like, I oh, I have some questions on those. Let me know. Uh, we can get gather up some more scripture for you and then and we can get you get you going in the right direction on that. So always these lessons love starting off with a question. So I'm gonna hit you with one. Why did Christ have to die? 
kind of sounds like a Sunday school question, right? But yet sometimes it causes, at least it causes me for pause, like, okay, let me make sure I start with this right. So I'm going to throw it out at you, well, uh, throw it out to you. Why did Christ have to die? <laughs> All right. So why did Christ have to die? You putting him on the spot, John? <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Sin. So, with that being said, could he have saved the world without dying? Mm. So why did Christ have to die? And John said sin. And then the next counter question I threw at him is, couldn't he have just saved the world without dying? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Send another flood. Start over. Right. Right. Yes. Okay. Right. Okay. Good. I saw a hand go up. change change in there's be the shedding of the old man taking on the new man um, right so shedding the old self putting on the newness of Christ very very good all right so we're hitting at it one more question how how do I know that all my sins were paid for on the cross how do we know how do we rest in that assurance that all of our sins were paid for on the cross because some some folks like to play play fast and loose with this um, is saying well you know Jesus paid for the sins in the past but you know those those new sins and then some like to live in this in this uh, I guess like a free grace like well I can just keep on sinning my sins are forgiven I'm just going to keep and some of them live as carnal Christians in a sense and you're like wow is the fruit of their work is not on display like are you a Christian because you you're looking like the world a lot so and then, and then sometimes there are those who have too much law, and they're just, you know, they're poo-pooing on a lot of folks that are, you know, exercising Christian liberty, and and you know, might what may be acceptable for one, it may not be considered acceptable for another. So there's a balance there, right? We gotta we gotta work through that because we're called to work our work our salvation out through fear and trembling. So there might be a point in my walk with Christ that I have worked some things through that I'm comfortable with, but yet there might be a younger Christian who's not at that point yet, and they might still be struggling with a sin that I have worked through, and I am not sinning more, but yet, we can use the consumption of alcohol, for example, like just having a beer. That may not be comfortable for a younger Christian that who, who's actually, that's maybe causing them to stumble in, in their sin that they're still working through. There might be some desires there that caught that can lead them into sin just as an example so it's just kind of so there's some weighty subjects here to consider right um concerning what the work of christ means and what it looks like and how we apply that and then work through it in our lives and as fellow christians and believers towards one another <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a complex topic in a, in a sense of a rubik's cube i like to so, so you said, uh, what, what yes so what assurance do we have that all our sins were paid for on the cross Absolutely, God's word, God's word. Absolutely, and we're, we're going we're gonna to get we're going to get after some verses. So I'm just kind of I just want to set the stage for us, so we can so as we approach this, you can, we we have a good orientation as we dig in. All right, so let's get into it. That was, that was a good setup, and it, it took a little longer. But anyway, uh, 
Well, we'll get through the lesson. So this lesson does center around the cost that Christ paid for our sins on the cross. So this is, this is seen in his utter humiliation, even to the point of death on the cross. That's from Philippians 2.8. Christ dying on the cross is the crowning act of his love, of his, of, of, excuse me, crowning act of his love, of his earthly ministry. And it is the vocal point for all of Scripture. Have you ever heard the, 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 the golden thread that is woven through Scripture? And the golden thread starts at Genesis 1-1 and is woven all the way through Scripture to the end of Revelation. And that's, that's that Christ died for our sins. And, that's, and he paid the ultimate punishment, as, as uh, David mentioned, that the attribute of God in his justness, his just punishment towards sin is carried out, but, it's, but the golden thread is Christ through all of Scripture. And has anyone heard of the Jesus Storybook Bible? So it's it's a it's a it's a it's geared for small children, but it, what it does is it takes that theme of Christ through Scripture, and it lays it out beautifully. And it's it's a great book. Um, I know Christy loves giving that book out to to uh, at baby showers. She loves gifting that, so it's one of uh, so as, so as a, just as a recommendation, you can look into it yourself. But the Jesus Storybook Bible is a really good book that just weaves that golden thread through all the Scripture. And just kind of showcases how Christ is in all of Scripture. All right, getting back into our study. So, therefore, we want to we want to make sure we're spending time looking at the crucifixion and then the events surrounding the cross. But then, and and then as we look at that, we'll see how God had to forsake His own Son and He had to crush Him for our sin. So, the mystery of Christ shines in His humility on the cross and His victory. Over death, and, that, and that's the really key thing I, I want us to take away tonight, especially for all of us, is just reminding ourselves that Christ is no longer on the cross, and He was victorious over death. And then we want to make sure that we're also we also don't miss at the same time the work of Christ on the cross, and that we don't want to miss either the most importance of of seeing the, how He crushed death, and then we want to fully understand that sin and hopeless and the hopelessness of mankind and where we are and where we started at. And so we, as, as we can present the gospel to those we, who are living in darkness, we can rightly approach their condition and winsomely draw them to Christ. So we know that sometimes, um, I know when I was a youth that we'd go to a couple conferences and a lot of the a lot of them would start out like, hey, you know, how do you, how do you see God? You know, do you see him as this, you know, smiter of your joy and, you know, like this guy who just sits in a cloud and throws lightning bolts? And then, like, and it was kind of interesting, yeah, because a lot of youth in my time were kind of like, that's how they saw God. He was just a joy kill, buzz kill. He'd out there to run all your fun. And, but really, it's, it's, it's better understanding the liberty that we have through Jesus Christ, that he frees us from, from the bondage of sin that actually weighs us down and holds us down. So, so let's just get into it. Uh, so we are in need of Christ's work on the cross. So let's, let's start in Romans. This is a good place to start when we're just talking about total depravity, right? Uh, so let's look at Romans 3, uh, 10 through 12 is a good place to start. Would anyone like to read that? Romans 3, 10 through 12. Any volunteers to, to read that section of scripture? All right, have at it. Not even one. Sounds like you have that memorized, John. It is a big one. And that's just the beginning. There's a lot of weight in that one. So yes, Romans 3, uh, 10 through 12. So, so we see here that this talks about none is righteous. So what does that mean? It means no one is right before God. We are dead to him in our sin. We have no perfection in us, no redeemable qualities. Is it? We're just filthy rags before God. And then we see no one who understands. So this shows that there's not a, a spark in us that would light a fire to, oh, I think I want to follow Jesus now. Like, there's nothing there. Nothing exists. We are unredeemed, and we have no spiritual capacity to understand what God has done for us. And then we're darkened in our understanding. I mean, we can quickly turn over to uh, Romans 1, 18 through 25, and that is very clearly spelled out. 
And we're probably seeing a lot of this, and I'm sure it was amplified as well in other portions of history leading up to us. I'm sure uh, the medieval times, there were some, probably some dark times where they were like, Oof, like we are, we are seeing Romans 1, 18 through 25. Uh, but uh, let's look at that real quick. Romans 1, 18 through 25. And I'll go ahead and read it for us. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteous, and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. For the creation of the world, his invisible invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became nonsense, and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Whew. I'll, I'll, I'll just go ahead and finish it out. Therefore, God delivered them over in the cravings of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served something created instead of the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So the Bible is pretty straightforward, right, on what it means to be completely dead. And Romans 1 is a, just a constant reminder of it was made known, yet the truth was suppressed. So suppressed means you were just actively like ignoring. You know, if if, if uh, you know if your child is asking for something and you're just like, nope, I don't want to hear it. You're just you're suppressing their request because it's not the right time. Or you know, like I don't know, uh, the girl still asks every time we hit the checkout. Hey, Dad, can I have this? Can I have that? I'm like, oh man, like you guys are older now, and I, I figured a no for the last four years would be enough, but they are persistent. There are days I give in, so that's probably what they're hoping for. <laughs> they're hoping for that, that 10% <laughs> yes to happen again. So, But it's hard as a parent, too, to say no sometimes. You're like, well, you know, and why not? Done, you've done well, and I want candy, too. So, <laughs> but Anyway, uh, so going back to our scripture, then we also see none who seeks God. Uh, Romans 1, 18 through 25 was very clear on that. And all have turned aside. They've completely just pushed away God. They've turned aside. His creation speaks volumes about what he's done. So, um, quick question for you. Who, who have men turned aside from? Oh, Sunday school answer, right? God. They've turned away from God. The true living God. Not a dead God. The true living God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they've become useless. So what does it mean to become useless? Like, like I kind of have stuff in my garage that's just useless. It's, I can't do anything with it. So what does it mean to be useless as, as, as a creative being? Right. Very good. Man, we are doing great. Good job. Uh, absolutely. So, all right. And then no, and then none who does good. So there's no way to just start from no knowledge of God and then start doing good and not, not see the connection there. All right. So there we go. Total, total depravity does not mean that man is void of any quality pleasing to man or that every person is, a, is as bad as he or she can be. Because there are people that still do good works, right? They do philanthropic works. They reach out, they take care of the poor, they take care of the needy. I mean, there are people that do do these things. You know, so we can't say they're completely useless, but in God's eyes, the works that they're doing is still not glorifying to him because they might just be doing it out of, you know, a need to fill a void. Right, right, you know. Uh, we, we, sometimes we see people like, hey, look, you know, like celebrities, we'll just use them for example. Hey, look at me, I gave X amount of money to, to this, or I donated this to help this, this group that's suffering. You know, like we, we, we know there's hurricanes just, just ran through the Central America, you know, and, and I think like two hurricanes pretty much in short order just went through Nicaragua. So, I mean, I know there's other news, news 
ish stories in the kind of dominating the headlines, but you know, we still got to be looking out for those individuals who are in need of the of our help. But there are some people that will will run to the front of the line and say, "Look, look at what I did. I did something good." All right. However, it does not mean that every part of man is tainted by sin. So there are motives, actions, desires. I mean, there is some genuine caring. Like we care genuinely for our for those our loved ones within a family. Like we will look out. I could, I'm almost certain Anthony would probably fulfill a need in his family before he filled a need, let's say, from our family, for example. But that doesn't mean it's bad. He's just he's taking care of his immediate circle, and I don't fault him for that. You know, by no means. But that's not a sinful desire of him. It's just, it's, and it doesn't mean that that act isn't unwholesome. It's and it's not tainted by sin. I'm just using that. Sorry, Anthony. No. <laughs> I was just having to look up and I saw you. So, but you know, but it's just kind of a reality, though. But it doesn't mean, though, that it's it's bad. But therefore, we also know that that men are we're just we're all slaves to sin, though. You know, and we're totally separated from God. Like He's just completely put us aside, and in and in a condition which is impossible for us to please God. So, though we might be doing good, those actions are not pleasing to Him because we because we're not performing those deeds out of a heart of humbleness, out of wanting desire to bring glory to God. So, all right, so that's kind of a, so I just kind of want to make sure we set the stage correctly and understand where we're starting from as totally depraved. (laughs) All right, so the consequences. We know the consequences, right? So let's look at our first section real quick in section I and section B. Uh, what to what is a man a slave to? We we just covered that question, right? We're a slave to sin. So what is the result of sin? Death. Right. So because we're dead in trespasses and sin, this is question D of part one. Whom did we follow, and what kind of children are we? Yeah. Absolutely. Anything else you want to add to that? That was straight out of, right out of Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Absolutely. All right. So since we're, you know, you mentioned it, sons of disobedience. Uh, so what, so what, uh, whose wrath will the sons of disobedience experience? God's. And what does he say his wrath is? What kind of wrath would we face? Like, like if we were to stand before God right now, well, what is it? Like, what, what wrath is that? I mean, probably, probably a just. <laughs> I'm sorry? Yes. Righteous anger, or righteous wrath, a just wrath that is due us. All right, very good. Right, so sin is anything contrary to God in thought, in word, or in deed. So we see this in thought, which is from Matthew 5, 28. In word or speech, we have Colossians 3, 8. And then in deed, we have sins of commission and sins of omission. So who, who has heard that before? We have sins of omission and sins of commission. Very good. All right, so does anyone want to tackle which is which? So we have sins of commission. What is, what is that referring to when we talk about you are sinning, you have sins of commission? Right, and that's known as what? That's known as God's, God's law. Yeah, or moral code, yes, God's law. So those are sins of commission. Now what are sins of omission? Right. Right. So now you're kind of, we're, we're taking in that next step of there's a knowledge there that I need to do what is right, but... I've got somewhere else to be. Or there's also, has anyone heard of the bystander effect? Or the, or the yep, yeah. It's, it's actually, it's a, it's a strange, strange cultural uh, phenomenon that it's known as the bystander effect where, like if we were in a group and there was someone calling for help, there would be a, a like, I don't know, it's like unspoken, but we would all just kind of stand and we would wait to see if someone else is going to do it. We would all be, in, in a sense, kind of thinking the same. Well, someone's, someone else is going to take care of that person. So I'll just, I'll just walk by. I'm not going to check on him or, you know. So it's kind of interesting to consider. 
so we're, we're called, so, we, so it's a reminder to us that there, there's also a sin of omission. So, so what does that tell us? We're enslaved to sin, right? So what does it mean to be enslaved to sin? So what does it mean? Like when our children, when we're talking about this with our children, how do we explain? What does it mean to be enslaved to sin? Right. 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 Yes. Greg, I've, I'm fully in control of myself. What do you mean? I'm master to nobody. I'm a master of my life. You're telling me I'm sin's a master of me, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right. So what, I'm, I'm demonstrating a, a no. <laughs> Romans one. You're right. Very good. So what? So what? So what am I demonstrating though? In that, what, what, uh, pride, absolutely. That's a ignorance. You're right, that too. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very good. All right. So, all right. Well done. I think we, I think we've got it pretty well dialed in, right? We're, we're depraved. We're in need of a savior. We know the consequences of our condition. Uh, Titus, uh, Titus 1.16, I'll cover that quickly for us. It says they possess they, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and disqualified from any good work. That's just a reminder that there are some carnal Christians who claim to be Christ, who claim to know Christ. And, and Jesus also said that there are there are those who will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, we did X in your name, and they know I mentioned this before, and he'll tell them, Away from me, for I know you not, you workers of iniquity. So this is just a reminder, Titus, one, uh, chapter 1, verse 16, puts another, puts another uh, point into that as well, and saying they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. So if, if we heard that before where, you know, your actions speak louder than your words, right? You know, like if, you, if, if I go to say, yeah, I love my neighbor, and then if you come and visit me and then you see my neighbor, like, hey, how you doing? Have you met the Fromms? And they're like, what? What? They're my neighbor? And, and, if I, and if I told you ahead of time that, oh yeah, you know, I know my neighbor well, I take care of him, look out for him, and then if he doesn't have any knowledge of that it's me there, I mean, so that means my works are denying what I claim to profess, right? So yes, so it shows that we have save as, excuse me, sin is enslaving us. All right, so let's look at Romans 5, 5, 6. So what does is, what is Romans 5, 6 say? Anyone like to tackle that? Right. For a while we were still helpless. So, um, so what does it mean to be helpless? Right. So you, do you have any way, if you're helpless, do you have any way of helping yourself? <laughs> right? Right. I, I think of Christian, you know, he, uh, he ate, you know, in the Pilgrim's Progress, he was, uh, he was in the slough of despond, right? And he was, he was sinking. And he had to have someone help him out because the burden of sin was not allowing him to break free from that. And that's a reminder of, I think it was Evangelist, right, that, that pulled him out? If I remember correctly, if I'm, if I'm wrong, I apologize. Uh, but but either way, it shows that we do need help. We are helpless, and I'll, I'll just continue reading. For rarely will someone die for a person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves His own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than since we have now been declared righteous by His blood, we will be saved through Him from wrath oh yeah, through him from wrath for it excuse me for if while while we were enemies we were reconciled to god through the death of his son then how much more having been reconciled will we be saved by his life and not only that but we will rejoice in god through our lord jesus christ through whom we have now received 
reconciliation. Man, there's some great words in there. I like reconciliation. That means that you have recon- you've been reconciled before Christ. The sin that has enslaved you is now gone. You are no longer seen as a sinner before, before God. When he sees you, he sees his son standing in his place. And all the sins that were on your account, completely wiped out. Washed clean by the blood of Christ. Um, um, I, I know we're all pretty familiar with R.C. Sproul, correct? And the Renew of the Mind in his ministry. Uh, there's, he's got some really, R.C. Sproul wrote, wrote some really good children's books. And there's one known as the, uh, what is it, the... The preacher's dirty clothes, or it's the so it's the, it, t- it talks about the dirty rags, how our, how our sins keeps us as um, you know our filthy rags. And there's also the poison cup, and it's a, and it talks about Christ drinking the poison cup. Those are two really good books. They're they're fun to read. I mean, I mean the only reason I say this because it's fresh memory because uh, Christy just re- recently uh, we just recently read it to our girls again, and it's just a great reminder of what Christ did for us. And those, are, those two books are reminders of the work of Christ on the cross and the work that he did for us. All right, so, so let's crack into this. So let's look at the work of Christ. So in consideration the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, we want to make sure we understand the need for a blood sacrifice, Christ's humiliation, the crucifixion, and the events surrounding the crucifixion, and the judgment of God at the cross. So we we kind of tick we, we kind of hit 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 a little on this last week where we talked about why why did Christ have to die and couldn't he have just saved the world without suffering and dying so I mean God declared that death is required to appease sin and we and we, we touched on that last week when we talked about Genesis and the and the lamb had to, possibly a possibly a lamb had to be slain to clothe Adam and Eve and when they had transgressed God and sinned in the garden. And so we know this is seen in the sacrificial system. And do you know where that sacrificial system statement is made? Uh, well, no, right, but the one that was handed down to the Israelites. Uh, do, do you guys know where the? Do you guys know where the where that sacrificial uh, statute was given to the Israelites? In what book of the Bible? In the Old Testament. So, Leviticus. Leviticus. All right. Uh, so Leviticus uh, seventeen eleven states, "For the life of a creature is the blood, and I have appointed it to you to make an atonement on the altar for your lives, since it is the life blood that makes atonement." So this is where Jesus handed, or excuse me, this is where God handed down that commandment to the Israelites. This is why you will make a blood sacrifice for your sins. This is why you go to the altar. So that's, that, that was the sacrificial system that was in place. But then we see, um, so we see in the sacrificial system where God requires the killing of a Passover lambs also as the sin offering, right? And I, and, and I understand your reference in Exodus where we see the, the Passover take place where the, where, the bla- uh, excuse me, where, the, where the lamb is slaughtered and then the blood is placed on the doorpost. So the death angel would pass over that house so that's that's where that reference comes from but it's also a reminder that blood is required so it is also seen in god's verdict uh that the wages of sin is death and then we also see it in christ's death on the cross which takes place on a spiritual death by making atonement for our sins so his forgiveness is required through the shedding of blood or i said that wrong i apologize forgiveness requires the shedding of blood so the forgiveness of our sins was was completed through the shedding of Christ's blood. All right, so let's also look at Christ's humiliation. So let's look at section two quickly. And we see at the very top, or I don't know if it's the very top, but it says here that Galatians 3.10 says, Cursed is anyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. So so, so looking at Christ's work, we see that um, we talk about sin Having God as his enemy, subjection to the power of Satan, and then being helpless to save himself, death, and then condemnation, condemnation and eternal separation from God. And this is, this is God's holiness as well, and it defends, it, excuse me, and it demands um, conformity to that holiness. So man is, and those are the things I just listed, that, that's what we're faced with, but Christ bridges those those separations 
that brings us because of our sin. Go ahead. Right. <clears throat> right, so there's subjection to the power of Satan because we know that the world sits in the lap of Satan, right? So it's so the world is under his control. It's under his domain. Because remember when he, when he tempts God, or excuse me, he tempts Jesus in the wilderness, he shows him the, all the kingdoms and he says, I will give these to you, you know, if you just bow down and worship me. Right, right, right. But then, so it gives, we see that Jesus descended into the depths of Hades, and then he, con- but he, but he ultimately conquered death. Death could not hold him. He overcame absolutely, he crushed the head of the serpent. Very good, man. We're we're getting into some deep stuff, and we're running out of time. Ah. All right. <laughs> okay. Let's. All right. Let's. All right. So let's look, let's look at the crucifixion. All right. So so when we're covering this, we want to make sure. We understand the main passages that cover the crucifixion, and we want to discuss the events around the crucifixion. So, so I know we're, I know we're, we're uh, pretty familiar with these. So I'll just kind of touch on them quickly. If you want to grab uh, grab notes and just take uh, notes on the scripture references, so we see that there was agony before his crucifixion, especially in the Garden of Gethsemane. Also, the the torture he received from from the Roman guards. He was lashed with a cat of nine tails. If, uh, has anyone ever looked up what a cat of nine tails that the Romans used? Has anyone looked up the pictures? That is a gnarly. That is that thing is gnarly, and I was like, I, I mean, just the thought of having that applied to your, applied to a bare back is just. But Christ suffered that for us. His arrest, which was a, just a mock trial done in the middle of the night, they call it a kangaroo court. False witnesses step forth, but what did Jesus do the entire time? This was taking place remain silent absolutely as i said it, but that was that was to fulfill scripture right as a lamb being led to the slaughter he was silent before those who were, who were casting um, accusations against him and then and then in the news before Pilate, i remember Pilate who's taunting him right you know who do you say that you are well do something for me perform a miracle right that was herod you're right yeah he's like you know do, do something great for me show me who you are i've heard all these rumors i want to see it for real also silent. Uh, so we also saw his scourging and then his crucifixion. And um, I, think, I think we're all familiar with The Passion of the Christ, right? The movie. That's, uh, I, to be honest, I haven't watched it. I've seen, you know, the, the, I, I, I just, I'm not sure if I could. To be, it does. It does. But, um, but yeah, that was just, just, I've seen enough from just pictures of it. I'm just like, I don't know if I could watch that. It is, it's pretty pretty gruesome and then his last words so the events that took place on his on his death included supernatural darkness we saw earthquakes there were other resurrections and the tearing of the veil in the temple isolating the holy of holies and the tearing of the veil demonstrated the access to god was now open to all of us so remember that was once separated where they they would send the priest in right once a year and he would offer up a sacrifice on the Holy of Holies. What was one thing that the, they would have on the, on the priestly robes when they went in? Bells, right. And they would also tie a what? Around his waist. A rope. Why? In case they had to pull him out. Right. So, cons- to, so to consider that, that was in place. And then... And then we now have the ability to enter in through prayer. We can enter into enter into the presence of God. We can we can call out to Him. I mean, that's what that that's what the tearing of the veil represents. Is that we now have the ability to just call out and talk directly to God because we're His children, right? But it's just just an incredible illustration there that we see in Scripture. So let's let's look quickly at the judgment of God at the cross. So we want to f- make sure we fully understand and, and grasp the gravity of what Christ did for us and to take on the full burden and then bearing the sins of all that who would believe. So it's imperative for us to understand that God's justice required the full punishment for all of our sins committed be cast upon Christ. And that's a heavy thought to, to just kind of let 
could just kind of let your mind kind of just take it in for a little bit to just consider the full weight of your sin was placed on Jesus at the cross and then God's full holiness and righteous wrath was was hammered on him it's incredible so as Christ bore the sins of man all of us uh, he became sin and the father executed his judgment on him rather than on each of us that's incredible it's an incredible statement to to meditate on so even more profound is that God abandoned his son in the time of Christ's sin bearing so let's, let's kind of keep that in mind is when he cries out to God he says father father why have you forsaken me right because remember there were times when when Christ addresses him as my God but um, I, I apologize I saw I saw father but I say but I but he actually cries out he says my God my God why have you forsaken me and so this is this is a mystery but but what it does is it points to the fact that the father forsook his son he left him utterly alone to bear our sins in his body on the cross there was a a separation of the of of God of that communion with his son that he that Jesus was used to sharing with the father so uh, I want to hit and hit, hit on two things here. This separation between the father and the son was a relational separation where the intimate fellowship between the father and the son was broken and the son could never be separated from the essence. So we want to keep that in mind. There was the relational connection between the father and the son that was broken, but the essence of the Trinity for, for, for then the, tri, the, the triune God would cease to be. So, so he can never be separated from God in the essence. So we want to kind of bear that in mind. So Christ remained God. The Trinity remained unbroken. Nevertheless, it is a way for our minds that we, we may not be able to fully comprehend, right? We may not fully be able to grasp, like, okay, there was a separation relationally, but yet the Trinity remained unbroken. So... Uh, yeah, that's a big one to wrestle with. Uh, I don't even understand it. But all right, so God the Father forsook God the Son as he laid upon Christ the iniquity of us all, abandoning him to bear his Father's righteous wrath against the sins of his people. So that's kind of the big takeaway there is, uh, concerning that. Any questions? Sorry. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right, so we also see in Isaiah 53.10 that God was pleased to crush his son as a guilt offering. So, it's a pretty interesting statement there. All right, well, I mean, Scripture says it. And then we also see that in Matthew 27.46, Christ was forsaken by the Father. And so forsaken means to leave behind or to abandon, to just desert. So he could not be in a relational communion with, with, with Jesus because he was bearing the full weight of our sin. And so since God is just, he is righteous, he is holy, he cannot be near sin, so he had to break that relational relationship with Jesus. Well, he bore the judgment that was, a, that was upon our sins. Christ bore that in his body. So let's, let's bear in mind that the judgment of God upon Christ at the cross demonstrates God's immense love for his children, as well as being the only means by which we may be forgiven. Isn't that incredible? Like the love for us was carried out. This judgment on Christ was carried out because he loved us. So, let, let, so let's look at this statement, which we see in 1 John 4.10. And let's look at that quickly. And uh, 1 John 4, and I'll, I'll just expand it out. We'll just run 9 through 11, which really captures uh, the full statement there. I'll go ahead and read that for us. 1 John chapter 4 verses 9 through 11. So God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent, sent the one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists, consists in this. Might, uh, I apologize, lost my spot. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. What a charge. I mean, how often um, do we get upset with, with our loved ones? How often do we get upset with someone in the church that may have transgressed us? How often 
do we struggle with sometimes just driving on the road and getting upset with someone else? Happens. Uh, don't worry about Greg, but the rest of us here. Um, <laughs> all right, all right, we'll leave that part out. But anyway, so I mean, it's, it's a reminder to us that, that we are to love one another as Christ has loved us. And, and the reason that love is there is because God loved us. And he sent his son to die in our place, to be that propitiation for our sins. I mean, what a, whew, that's great stuff. We, we could dig into this a lot more, but let's get to the end. All right, so the provisions of Christ's works. As we talked about earlier, it reconciled us to God. And uh, we saw that in Romans 5, <clears throat> excuse me, 510. I'll hop back there quickly. Romans 510. Yes. So I believe, uh, I think Anthony read it, read it earlier. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. So there's that reconciliation again. And it was done through his son. All right, question for you. How do you respond personally to the message that in Christ you are reconciled with God? How do you respond personally to that message? That in Christ you are reconciled with God. So I'll just I'll just let you I'll just let you work 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 through that question and then let's 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 uh let's sprint to the end, as as they say. Alright, so we know that the answer is Jesus Christ, and he's the answer to all of our problems concerning salvation. He bridged that, that gap. Uh, John MacArthur has a statement here, and I'll, I'll read it for you. Uh, to put it as simply as I can put it, if Christ is not a substitute, then I still occupy the place of a condemned sinner. If my sins and my guilt are not transferred to him, he does not take them. Then they remain with me. If we did not deal with my sins, or excuse me, if he did not deal with my sins, then I must deal with them. If he did not bear my penalty, then I must bear it. There is, there is no other possibility. It is either him or it is me, and him being Jesus Christ. So having suggested, by the way, this is, that it is immoral to teach the doctrine of substitution, some theologians have suggested that it is immoral to teach that God, that God in human flesh took on sin, bore my sin, and your sin. But... But it is not immoral because you are not pushing something on God that he wouldn't want. You are not tainting his holiness, not at all. The truth of the matter is that in the process of salvation, mark this, God is not transferring penalty from one man guilty to another man innocent. No, he is bearing the sin himself that Jesus was God in human flesh. It's not there, right? No? Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I'd read it a few times. So, how does this motivate us now? How does this motivate us? How does this motivate us as Christians? Because Christ is, he didn't stay on the cross, right? He crushed death, correct? So, that, so he has, so we see that there was the power of, the resurrect, power of resurrection over death. So you know that Christ reigns supreme. He is sitting down at the right hand of God, and he has, he has vanquished death. But, he, but we know that he's going to return and completely eliminate death, right? So, um, so quickly, let's uh, we can look back. I think your lesson does flush that out. Um, so we we can. There was one of them. Uh, okay, uh, looking at section five, uh, the resolution and continuation of Christ's work. So the first question for you in uh, for letter A was. How was God, excuse me, how was Christ declared to be the Son of God? How was Christ declared to be the Son of God? So they, they have Romans 1-4 to answer the question. Yeah. How was he, how was he declared, declared to be the Son of God? Resurrection from the dead. Absolutely, because he has power over. He has power over death. So there you go. All right. Uh, after Christ made purifications, excuse me, after Christ made purification of sins, how was he exalted? That's Hebrews 1 3. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Got it, very good. And then the last question. We, we, we experience spiritual death through Adam's sin. What benefit do we gain through Christ's resurrection? We've hit on it a few times. Adam. Absolutely, very good. Right. Right, so what is, so understanding and reflecting on the work of Jesus Christ, what should be the response? How should we, how should we call others to respond? Absolutely, right. Yeah, well, you're right, there, there is an element of joy, absolutely. I think a, a joy praiseworthy, but it's, uh, but it's the presentation of the gospel, correct? As we, we share those who are walking in darkness, and we share this with them, and the scales are peeled back. Um, the light is made known to them. They respond to the gospel. And it's a, it's a good reminder for us, like, what does true repentance look like? What does true repentance look like? And what does it mean to believe in him as Lord? So we're kind of pulling at, at the strings of the other lessons here as well. Right, right. Absolutely. All right. So we, we know this, we know just coming to the close of this lesson, it challenges each of us to whether we have repented and called on the name of the Lord. It just, it's just a good reminder. And then we want to make sure that we are having a, a right understanding of what it means to believe on him as our Lord and Savior. So just a good, a good reminder, a good strengthening of our faith and and just to really, you know, to continue to wrestle with these, with these truths. Uh, I know this was a really weighty lesson. It, I mean, it was a lot to tackle. And I appreciate you guys being here tonight and working through it with me. <laughs> so if I said anything at any point in time, you have a question on, you want to you talk to me later about it, or I'm, I'm here to, to talk with you about it. I, I hope that I added clarity to this. I hope I didn't add confusion. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot in there. <laughs> There's a, there's a lot there to be to be to get after. So um, appreciate your time. Just good to be here with y'all tonight. Uh, any parting thoughts? Any parting questions? Comments? Concerns? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just a quick reminder before we close in prayer. Uh, next week, we're not, we won't be meeting, uh, but it'll be the week after. And you notice the next one, we're going to tackle salvation. So I look forward to diving into that one with you as well.
Salvation. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, well, it won't be six next week, but the week after. It'll be like December, it'll be December 2nd, December 2nd. Yes, yeah, so you're, you're doing Lesson 7, the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit, which is after salvation. Very good. All right. Um, all right, so no, uh, no, all right, nothing else heard. I'll close this in prayer, and I close my Bible, because I was going to bounce off Scripture. All right, all right, uh, let, let us pray. Gracious Father, thank you again to be able to meet here tonight. Thank you that at the death of Christ on the cross washes us white as snow uh, since that we have been declared, but we are now declared righteous through his blood and we have been saved uh, from the penalty of wrath that was, that was due to us as separated from you by the way of sin, but it was poured out on Christ who stood in our place, who suffered and died for us. But we are thankful and we give you praise, Father, that he has power, resurrectional power over death. He has conquered death. And we look forward to the day when he returns, when he will completely eliminate death. And he will eliminate pain. He will eliminate suffering, Father. We're just thankful for the truths that we work through tonight on the work of Jesus Christ. We're thankful for this. I just uh, lift up my brothers and sisters here at the, at, at the body of Grace on the Ashley. Father, we're th- I'm thankful for them. I just love them, Father, and I'm just grateful to be here tonight with them. And I also pray for those that weren't able to join us tonight, Father, and we look forward to fellowshipping with them again. We just thank you, Father, for the remainder of this week. pray that you continue to go before us. I pray that we continue to meditate on your word day and night. When we rise and when we fall down, when we go to sleep, Father, we're just thankful for for our children, we're thankful for those um, for those uh, in our church who who uh, encourage one another. We're just thankful that we have one another to to lean on during times of of, of uh, struggle and also in times of rejoicing. Uh, we just commit all these things to you in your Son's holy name. Amen.